Welcome to Sometimes There's Side Eye, a podcast about two friends having real and unfiltered conversations about dogs and people. Listen as we talk about our lives with dogs, training, behavior, share some laughs, and a whole lot of banter. I'm Heather. And I'm Christy. And this week, oh boy, we are talking about puppies. Bees, yay! Don't act excited. I know you're not excited. I'm not a puppy person, but I am excited about puppies. Let me clarify. I'm not a puppy person. If I do not want to live with a puppy full time. Sure. You'll just puppies. Mm -hmm. Yep. You'll enjoy other people's puppies. Yeah. I love when other people get puppies and then I can send those puppies home with those owners. Yeah. I understand that an episode about puppies might not be everybody's cup of tea, which is fair enough, but you're still going to get our regular banter and shit talking back and forth and all the fun. And maybe you're going to get a puppy in the future, or the episode could give you some thoughts and ideas about other things in general, or you know someone who's going to get a puppy, and then you can send the episode to them. And I don't know how many times this has happened to you, but so often people start talking to me about a puppy that they want to get, Mm. and they are looking for advice. So I feel like this episode is going to be perfect, even if you're having those casual conversations with your friends who are wanting to get puppies as well. Yeah. Give them some things to think about. Do I call myself more than a puppy novice at this point? Yes. Don't call me an expert. I don't want that title. Pretty close. How about a puppy professional? (laughs) You are a puppy professional. Yes. Okay. I will accept that. Considering professional puppy wrangler. (laughs) I am that as well as Tiago. We both are. Tater is a part-time wrangler. If you've listened to an episode before, you know that I own a small business called Puppy K All Day, and that is literally raising people's puppies for them, training them, socializing them. So I will call myself a puppy professional. I was just going to say, to define raising, it's short term, and at the end of every day, mostly those puppies go home, Yeah, and it's for a few weeks. Yes. So it's not a board and train. We call it a day train. So the puppies come to me while their family's working or doing whatever they have to do. They spend about eight to nine hours with me and then they go home at night so they can bond with their family and they get training videos and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's not a traditional board and train. I prefer that a puppy keeps bonding with their family and the family can be a part of the experience versus a puppy just coming to me for two straight weeks or four straight weeks. So yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Thanks so much, Christy. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to get a puppy, but if I ever was, I would <laughs> be sending it to Heather's during the day and then getting that nice tired puppy at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely benefits to it. And I am clearly interested in raising puppies and all the science behind it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So what inspired this episode in particular? I made a little infographic on going to visit a potential puppy. That was inspired by a conversation that I had with a potential client over the phone. Of course, I shared my conversation with Christy, but the conversation was super interesting because the person was going to look at a puppy and they had been following this breeder for at least a year on Instagram. They were super excited about this particular breeder and 
they had honed in on this being the type of dog that they wanted to get. So she had initially told me that they were going to wait until the end of the year. And then she told me that there was a puppy that was available for the current litter and that they had decided they were going to go and see it. So right off the bat, that was a little bit of a red flag to me. It just in the way of, oh, the opportunities there, even though we had a plan, all of a the sudden there's this opportunity and we feel like maybe this is the time. So yeah. I, you know, I just kind of was like, oh, you really had a solid plan. So much of a plan that you reached out to me six months before you ever got your puppy. Which is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. 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 So I just text her back and I said, hey, before you go, can we have a chat? Can we talk on the phone? And she said, oh yeah, sure. She was concerned about integrating her puppy with her two adult dogs and she had wanted some tips and I really wanted to just get her on the phone so we could talk about going to see this puppy. Truth be told, if you're listening, it was with the purest intentions. We ended up having about a 45 minute conversation and we started out talking about integrating a new puppy with her, with her adult dogs. And then I just kind of asked her some questions. It was things like, what made you decide to throw your timeline out the window? Okay. You said it nicer than that. No, totally. This was very professional conversation. (laughs) This is me breaking it down here. And she had shared with me, and I so appreciate her honesty. She had shared with me that this little boy was left behind and didn't have a home. And the breeder was lowering his price. That made him very attractive. I said, okay, I can totally understand that. Do you feel like really have a connection with this little guy or are those really the driving factors right now? And she said, um, no, I, I just am really interested because I think we could make it work right now. And I thought, okay, fair enough. So I asked her some questions about what the breeder told her about this particular puppy. And she told me a few adjectives one of which really stuck out to me, which was shy. The word shy can mean a million things, right? But when you're talking about a puppy and then your home has grandchildren and adult dogs and is a very active home, I feel concerned if the breeder who knows the puppy best or should is openly describing the puppy as shy. Yeah, I think, you know, there's certain words that we we need to have the breeder define or uh, the rescue or wherever you're getting your puppy from. If they know that there's a characteristic of that dog, sometimes we need to say, well, how do you define that? Because mm-hmm. it may be that shy to them is they've learned that the public refers to shy as not the first dog to greet you mm-hmm. in the litter, mm-hmm. um, holds back and watches, but is confident mm-hmm. and happy and isn't going to shy away from you mm-hmm. at all. So they may have changed their lingo a little bit to mm-hmm. to fit what the public perception is, or it may be that shy is you reach down to pet a puppy and the puppy is terrified and pees itself. Yes. Like there's, that's a huge range that yes. could incorporate shy. So that's where we need some definitions from mm-hmm. whoever has that puppy. I gave her some little tips to kind of 
test the parameters of what Shia actually means when she goes to meet this little guy. I told her about Christy's favorite uh, word, which is resilience. I <laughs> explained to her what that meant in terms of a puppy. So basically, when we say a puppy is resilient, even if a puppy is nervous about something or unsure or gets startled, their response to come back and be curious about that thing really means that that puppy has resilience. And yes, it is something that we can grow and we can cultivate, but they have to have a natural amount of resilience. And puppies at the age of this puppy should be ready to just be so curious about the world. So yeah. it really, the word just kind of made me stop and pause. And I asked her, does that word mean anything to you or make you have any certain feelings? And she, she did say that that word had made her kind of pause. And I was like, okay. So she had a little gut reaction to that word specifically. We went on to talk. I asked her, why did you select this certain mix? She told me that her husband really likes the color and the way they look. And I was like, okay, fine. And just as a side note, people are allowed to choose a dog because they find that dog attractive. Yes. Like, let's just get that out of the way. Cause like there, I'm not going to name any breeds cause I'm not alienating anyone, but there's some breeds that I just think, wow, that is not an attractive dog. Yep. I don't yep. want to live with that. So yes, that should not be your only attraction to a dog yep. but it's there you should you should be able to look at your dog and not think it's ugly yes I agree <laughs> which is why I didn't really say anything I was like okay well if the personality and the traits and everything else match up that and you want this particular color absolutely go for it for me color is generally the last thing that I care about because I have very, very high expectations for other things. So it's a real balancing act in what's important to you. But I did just want to mention that was why they were one of the reasons that they were very interested in this particular mix. I talked to her a fair amount about what their lifestyle looks like. And it wasn't really me saying, well, you have grandkids, you should consider that oh, you have this, you should consider that. It was more like, can you tell me what your day-to-day -day looks like? Can you tell me mm -hmm. what your weekends look like? And she was describing this life. Her grown children live next door with their granddaughter. So the granddaughter's there all the time. Yeah. yeah. I forget if it was son, but anyway, the other grown married couple live across the street. The whole family lives oh. right here. Yeah. Yes. And so she's describing this to me. She's telling me the personalities of her other dogs, and she's talking to me about what their life looks like. And throughout her answering my questions, it was like she started to realize that maybe mm -hmm. a shy puppy was not necessarily the way to go. Having said that, like Christy mentioned, what does shy mean? I gave her some parameters to go on when she went to see the puppy. I asked her... If she went to see the puppy, did she think that she could sit back and really assess how the puppy was behaving mm -hmm. and not look at it emotionally? Because let's face it, puppies are cute. They're adorable. They okay. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested, which I hope you are, in the type of puppy you're going to see, uh, yeah. You don't need the emotional part. It's already there. You're invested. Yeah. 
And what do you hear people say all the time? I went to go see this litter or I went to go see this puppy or I went to this rescue to look at this puppy just to look. How many just of those people look. actually walk away without the puppy? It doesn't right. happen. So right. we know all puppies are adorable. It's happening. Okay. I really asked her to take a moment and sit back and observe the puppy and ask key questions of the breeder. Well, what, what is the puppy like around your children? What is the mm-hmm. mom like? What is the mm-hmm. dad like? Do you know about them? What is there? What is this puppy's interaction when you pick it up and handle it, when you do its nails? Different real life scenarios to kind of gain more information about who the puppy is in personality. This woman is not looking for a project. She's looking for a family pet. Mm -hmm. We want the puppy to feel comfortable or at least show comfort, some comfortability in scenarios where we know it's going to be, have to deal with in its life. One of the traps that everyone always falls into is, oh, you go and you, and I've fallen into this trap. You go, you look at the puppies and the one that sits in your lap is the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it happened to me. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, clearly this puppy loves me. It came and sat with me. Yes. I fell for Link because he came and rolled over on my shoe. That's adorable. It is adorable. We all know what that story looked like. (laughs) I mean, I do get it. But I think we just have to like try to take a little bit more of a realistic look at things when we're going to see. Yeah. I also advised her before she went, before everyone listened to me, before you go, make a list of questions that you want to ask. Make sure the questions. Before, Yes, because in the moment, you have no questions. Everything is flowers and rainbows and unicorns because puppies are cute. And And they're they're in your lap. And they're distracting from logic. Like they take all your logic and they just kick it right out the window. (laughs) They do. So you need to sit down beforehand and make a list of important questions for you to ask. I beg of you. Christy, how do you think a person, whether it's a breeder rescue, because we're everybody, we're talking about all puppies today. I'm just using this example because this woman was going to a breeder. How do you think it should be perceived by anyone who is working on matching this puppy to this home? If somebody rolls out a list and starts asking questions about the puppy. It should be perceived as that person is invested in the long term and they want to make sure that the dog is getting the right fit for Mm -hmm. a family and the family's getting a right fit for a dog. Yeah. So that's how it should be perceived. I know sometimes that is not the case, but that's absolutely, there should be no problems asking questions, whether you're at a rescue, whether you're at a breeder, whether there's a line of 50 people behind you to get the same puppy, mm-hmm. questions should always be encouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I understand that, like Christy said, there can absolutely be pressure, but the mantra that I need to, for you to have in your mind when feeling that pressure is, I'm going to have this puppy for the rest of its life, and it is going to be a member of my family. So if you can kind of keep that in 
the back of your mind when you're going and they sit in your lap and they lick you and they kiss you and they're just adorable. It might help ground you a little bit to make a sound decision. And it might also help you to really take note of that puppy's behavior. If they, if there's litter mates around, how they're interacting with their litter mates, how they experience you, the person you brought with you, the items that might be in the environment, how they interact with the breeder or the volunteer, somebody that they should already know or would likely already know. Those interactions can tell you a lot of information too about the puppy's personality. I will say when I started volunteering, I remember distinctly the person who, I mean, and this was years and years ago, the person who was running the volunteer training said, when people come in for puppies, you know, like we just kind of give them like five minutes. Here's puppies. Just pick one because all puppies are pretty much the same. Which clearly that has shifted, thankfully, in the rescue world. I don't think many rescues believe that now, but I will say watching my friends who have had puppies from rescue, there were puppies that I would like that puppy in that litter. I don't want like that, that it needs to go to somebody who can experience is experienced with these different things, you know, and this puppy seems so great and laid back. So you could really tell their personalities, even at a really young age, Mm -hmm. just interacting with each other. And a lot of those personality traits came to fruition, but learn to watch that in literature. Observe. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think the other really, really key thing is if at all possible, take a person with you who is not invested in the puppy in the same way as you are. Obviously, if you're a married couple, you know, you're going and it's a husband and wife deal. If you're a family, you're probably going with your kids. And you are going to be impacted by how your kids interact with a puppy and how emotional and attached they get to a certain puppy. So my advice is always going to be take somebody like Christy along with you and let them have an outsider perspective. I, at this point, have gone with several friends to go and meet puppies. And given my honest opinion on what I thought in the scenario, and the last person I went with told me recently that I will be going with her to pick every puppy that she gets from now on because I am straightforward and honest, which is why Christy's my person to go with me because I know that she will be straightforward and honest. (laughs) But you need I mean, after I get my like out. (laughs) Yes. But you need that level-headed perspective. Ideally, it's someone who understands a little bit about dog behavior, but even if it isn't, if you just can have somebody who has that level-headed perspective that is willing to say to you, when you're really, really, really want the little puppy named Rover and Rover seems scared to death and you have three kids at home that is willing to say to you, I'm not really sure if Rover is the right choice for Rover or for your family. And these are the reasons why. And this is what I saw. Yeah, I think that's important because I know we're talking about you need to be logical in, in going into getting a puppy. But also, we're not saying that you shouldn't be emotional or overcome with emotion or overcome with joy. And those are all like very natural feelings in this process as well. I am all about embracing those feelings and just living in that moment with those. But then that's why you want 
someone who isn't getting a puppy or who isn't who emotionally can, can charged. Be logical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that you are allowed to have all those emotions, but then there's somebody logically saying, okay, let's direct your emotions in this way. Let me ask you some real questions. Yeah. Do you think the puppy that is resource guarding at six weeks old and attacking its litter mates is the right fit? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And we're not saying we've told you a million times, there's no straight line in dog behavior. Just because you see a behavior in a puppy doesn't mean it isn't something you can work with, but you have to analyze your life and know, is this something I have the time to work on? Am I willing to make the investment if it does not pan out the way I want? Or like this woman, do I just want an easy, happy, healthy pet? So let me just start out with the puppy who seems like the right fit from the get-go and try to stack the deck in my favor as we move forward. Because in the end, after her and I talking for 45 minutes, me giving her tips and everything else, she texted me the next day and told me that they never even went to look at the puppy. And once her and her husband talked about our conversation, that she realized that they were rushing it. And that it would have been a truly emotional decision and they don't think it was the right puppy for them. And you know what? I am thrilled for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say too, like be open to opportunities because that was yes. an opportunity. We have other friends who the opportunity to get a puppy came several months before they had planned. Yes. Oh, um, little Miss Tova. Yeah. And so that was, that was long before they planned to be yes. there. But they were open to the opportunity and it was the right fit. So yes. be open to opportunities, but also go into those logically. Yeah. And I feel like Tova is, it worked out because they were centered in what they were really looking for and they understood what they were looking for, but they also had people around them who were looking at it logically and saying, hey, I really think that this is a good fit for you and that if you're open to it, you should move forward. Okay, so here's the hardest tip that I'm gonna give and sometimes it's not gonna be possible. I told her that she should take in all the information, ask all of her questions, take some time with the puppy and then tell the breeder that they would like to talk about it, discuss it that evening and let her know if they were going to move forward with the puppy. And I know mm -hmm. that in some scenarios, this is not possible. In some scenarios, you feel pressured. In some scenarios, you're on a timetable. I understand all of those points. I respect them. I just mm -hmm. want people to make a good, solid decision based in real observations so that they can get the right fit. Because really, that's the best thing for everybody all the way around. So now Christy's going to give all the reasons why this doesn't work. <laughs> no, not at all. But I will say in rescue, sometimes that's not an yeah, option. It's because not. Because puppies are a hot commodity. They go fast. When I went to look at the county shelter with a friend, she called and said, hey, we're driving for over an hour to get there. Is there any way you could hold this puppy until I can meet it? And they said, absolutely not. She goes, what if I put the payment down on? And they said, no, first come, first serve. And by the time we got there, they said, oh, like 10 minutes ago, the puppy left. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, if I hadn't gotten turned around on directions, we could have gotten here. <laughs> time. I'm so sorry. But just know. So in those situations, know that you might not have like an overnight to think about it. So go in very prepared. You know, mm-hmm. go in with your questions, go in as prepared as possible. There's a lot of things you can do with rescue too. Perhaps if you know that you're interested in a litter, you can reach out to the rescue before they're adoptable and say, is there any way I could send these questions to the foster parent? Yes. Because these are things that are important to me and I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. So if there's no puppies in this litter that fit these things, then I'm okay walking away. Cause I know I won't, once I get there, I don't have a chance to say, I'm going to think about it overnight. There's also fosters. Every rescue does things a little differently. So there are some fosters who might allow you to meet the puppies beforehand, before they're available for adoption and have some time to think about it where you maybe don't have to put in your application that very second. Cause it's going to be two or three weeks before they come up for adoption. So there are some some ways to work with that, but just know what you're getting into before mm-hmm. you go. If you're going to a county shelter, it really is like a, a grab and go. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so terrible, but, but, it but is. It is. like go in, know that there's high pressure that you need to make a decision right then. If that's not the right fit for you, if you know that you cannot make a good decision under high pressure, that's okay. Don't go to that municipal rescue then. Maybe go to a rescue that does private fostering or has different protocols that work better for you and your family Mm -hmm. so that you can get the right fit, whether you're going to a breeder or a rescue. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I think that if you know that you're going to be under the clock, so to speak, or on a clock to make a decision, I think the preparation is what's really, really important. In addition to what Christy said about asking questions about the, the litter, I would also ask questions about the mom and dad because yes. there might be information about them that is completely relevant that would change your mind one way or the other. And That's a big factor. I would definitely keep that in mind. When we adopted our Lucy, the litter was born in rescue and the rescue had her mom. We went to see her when she was 11 weeks. She was in extremely high demand and we had to make a decision right away as well. This is Heather in 2005 and we, we felt different Heather. Well, whole different Heather. We did feel pressured, but excited to, to get this puppy. We were absolutely told that Lucy's mom had, let's call it dog selective issues. She didn't end up living with another dog years later, Mm -hmm. but she absolutely was dog selective at best. I was just like, cool. I still didn't understand the impact of genetics. I still didn't have a full understanding of what exactly that meant. And I was all in, man. I was all in. In the end, that did affect who Lucy was. And she was a litter of five. Only two of the puppies survived, her and her brother. And both of them ended up not being able to live with other dogs. There's a lot that goes into that. There are a million things. They were bottle fed. They they couldn't be properly socialized because they were ill. They didn't get to be with their mom. I mean, there's a million factors that go into that. But all that information now, I would not have adopted her at 
this stage in my life with the knowledge that I have. And I think that's part of the reason why we're talking about this because the knowledge is out there and it's experiences that we've had in different scenarios with friends ourselves. We want you to understand that Yes, it's an emotional decision. It's a happy time. We want you to love your puppy, enjoy your puppy. At the same time, if you can prepare beforehand, it could save you time, money, resources, heartache, everything, if it's not the right fit. Yeah, I would say 2005, Christy would have said (laughs) if she was going in to look at a puppy, she was coming home with a puppy. 100%. that, That wasn't like a... That wasn't a thing like where I would have asked the right questions and then debated if I yeah. take home a puppy. I would have just been like, cool, look how cute this one is. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Oh, that one's not available. Look how cute this one mm-hmm. is. I like it. Yep, I agree. The other thing I was just thinking about was let's say, and I'm going to use almost there as an example because we know everybody over there. I would also say if you go in to look at a puppy and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is a lot. You know, you thought it was what you wanted. The puppies are really cute. There's things you like about them. Take a look at the mom. The mom is adoptable. If you're going to rescue and you're interested or the mix seems good or any of that, maybe you need to take a step back and consider, hey, this mom is great. Maybe this is the path I need to go instead. Yeah. And I will also say one piece of advice that I gave a firm recently who was looking at rescue. She was like, well, I really feel like I mean, I made this uh, an appointment to meet one dog, but now this other dog might go up for adoption and and, that I had met and I wasn't sure about her, but uh, now I don't know which one. And I remember telling her, obviously go with what you can see Mm long-term, but also there's going to be other dogs. Like there's not a shortage of, at least in Arizona, I know Seattle, there is a shortage of dogs, but for the most part in the United States, there's not going to be a situation where you pass on a puppy and then you never get another mm-hmm. chance to get a puppy. Yeah. Like that's just know that you haven't lost your one true love. There's other options. There's other other fish in the sea, to, mm-hmm. so to speak. There's always available dogs and puppies. So just give yourself, afford yourself that opportunity to, to get the right fit. Yeah, because like Christy said, there's going to be more availability and it is more important that you find a dog that's the right fit for you than just a fit. And it's not your obligation to save that puppy. It's not your obligation to purchase that puppy. You should never feel obligated. It's a decision that you're making that is a long-term life-altering decision. I totally agree. I don't want anyone to feel pressured to do that ever, no matter the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like I had some friends who went to look at Rottweiler puppies actually. Oh boy. Um, and they got there and it was a junkyard and the mom was a junkyard dog who had been bred with another Rottweiler. And it was the last puppy left malnourished in terrible conditions. And I remember even at that point, I thought, Ooh, I don't know if that's a great idea, but they said, we just couldn't leave her there. Mm. So we paid the hundred dollars or whatever it was and they brought this puppy home because they had this emotional savior complex mm-hmm. and not in a bad way yeah. but they wanted to save this puppy like yeah. and it feels let me tell you guys nobody we like to save things because it yes. feels good to save things it feels <laughs> there good. is an emotional connection yes 
And then social media really trumps that up. Like, oh, if you save a dog, look how grateful they are. Well, sometimes they're still just an ass. Like, yeah. sometimes they're still just who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't want people to go into getting a puppy or getting a dog thinking, well, if I save this dog, they inherently know and all dogs inherently know. And then they are thankful to me the rest of their lives. Like That's not a thing. That's not a thing. And sure enough, this Rottweiler was very sketchy. I liked her personally. They let me be introduced to her without a lot of warning. And so I just came in and was not scared of her because I love Rottweilers and was like, oh, hey, and said hi to all the dogs. And the owner's like, oh, wow, she didn't growl at you or show her teeth. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And they're like, you're one of the only people that she hasn't been. Well, you also know how to approach a dog. Well, this was years ago. Oh, so you really did. Like, I just went in for it. So she did have a lot of social issues with human beings and not being sociable with people. And they were always having people over. So that, I think they would have realized now that that was not the right fit, but they definitely let the emotion get the better of them. Yeah. I know so many people over the years who have done the exact same thing where they felt like they needed to save the dog from whatever scenario they were in, save the puppy. And I do get where that comes from. I absolutely understand. But then the flip side of that is the mom continuing to be used in that way as a commodity. I just, there's the emotional factor. And this is, I think Mm -hmm. my perspective on that comes from growing up in a community where it's the puppy mill capital of the world. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Puppy mills are highly prevalent even today. And mm-hmm. so many people will do that. They're like, well, I feel bad for the puppy. It's stuck in a life in a cage and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but now the mom is too. So there's mm-hmm. repercussions to that, you know? Yeah. That was so doom and gloom. <laughs> and I know the argument is always like, well, it's not the puppy's fault. You are so right. It's not the puppy's yes. fault. But we also are not short on dogs that puppies that from legitimate rescues and we are not short on ethically bred dogs either so there's options to not support bad business yes you know i I totally we always like right now it's such a boom of supporting small owned business all these small owned businesses let's not support bad businesses so that we can support good businesses even when it comes to to puppies. I don't think we usually think of it that way mm-hmm. because it's hard to think of puppies as a business, but it absolutely is. You're paying and for them, whether you're, you're adopting your or buying. Yes, yeah. I think this episode will go nicely into what we plan to do this summer. We plan to talk about ethical breeding, but also ethical rescues. Yes. I think considering both of those things, And FYI, if you're buying from a pet store, your puppy is coming from either a commercial breeder or a puppy mill, 100%. Unless there are some that some pet stores do. No, 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 a true for-profit pet store. Yes. I know in Arizona, we definitely have like a rescue that is a pet store in a pet store. I think the other interesting point that goes along with that is even in the best of scenario, when breeders and rescues do everything they can to support the mom, to plant, well, rescue's not planting, but to support the mom, support the litter, 
enrichment activities and mm -hmm. different stimulation activities based on developmental periods in the puppy's lives and so all of the, all of the things that are correct even when they're going through the motions to do do everything with the best of intentions shit goes wrong so mm -hmm. if in those yeah. scenarios with rescue ethical rescues and ethical breeders they do everything right to stack the deck in their favor and shit still goes wrong we do not want to support people who are not doing anything and then just pumping out puppies because mm -hmm. the chances of something going wrong there are much much higher absolutely like Christy said, we're going to be doing some episodes this summer that we're really excited about. We're going to be doing episodes where we talk about what we think ethical rescue and ethical breeding looks like. And then we're actually going to be interviewing some people that we're super pumped about. And then I think we're going to wrap everything up talking about how breeders and rescues can work together and how it can benefit the dogs and people, which I can't wait. And then since I'm in the business of puppies, mm -hmm. I'm super excited because I am working on an online course that is focusing on teaching people how to find an ethical breeder because that is not easy. And what all goes into being able to do that and what to look for and red flags. So I'm excited about that coming out this summer as well. I'm excited about that too, because I've had so many friends come to me and ask me questions. And then I just have to be like, I don't know, Heather, can you help me? <laughs> so now I have somewhere to send them. Well, and the reason that I ended up doing this is because I have helped so many people over the years. I can't even tell you. I have spent hours upon hours of looking at websites. I'll get random websites sent to me. Hey, does this breeder look decent? My friend's thinking about going to them. And I look it up for 30 seconds and I'm like, red flag, red flag. And I love helping people do that, but I don't have a lot of spare time. So I decided to kind of put everything in a course for people. It's going to be super affordable for people to be able to do all the steps. And then once you learn it, I'm excited to share my knowledge and all the kind yeah, of experiences yeah. that I've been through and what has taken me to where I am now in my life. Yeah. And I think why I'm excited about it, because I mean, let's be honest, Heather's kind of the breeding aspect of this podcast and I'm kind of the <laughs> Oh rest my God, you. am I? Is, oh. <laughs> but why I'm excited is because then we can help people avoid going to backyard breeders. Yes. So even if you're against breeding, this is still going to be useful because an ethical breeder, even if you feel like that's not for you, let's send people to a breeder who stands behind their puppies and takes puppies back so that we're not contributing to, to dogs in the shelter. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm excited. Yeah. We can start people out who aren't interested in rescue dogs. That's okay. We all have friends who are like, I'm not getting a rescue. That gives us other options to be able to talk through this and say, yes. fine, you're not going to go to rescue. That wouldn't be my choice but let me at least point you in the right direction yeah. so that you can avoid going to a backyard breeder. Mm -hmm. Giving I think money to someone who doesn't deserve it. 
when we get into this this summer, we're going to give you examples. So it can give you talking points going forward as we give sort of our breakdown of what is ethical versus not for us in rescue and in breeding, and then interview actual people who are from ethical rescue, and then also interviewing an ethical breeder. I think by the end of the summer, we're going to change some people's minds. I really hope you guys will stick with us through this journey because I think there's a lot of knowledge on both sides to be gained. I think people who are breeder only are going to learn some really valuable things about rescue. And I think people who are rescue only are going to gain some insight about ethical breeding too. Just try and go into it with an open mind. And if you come out the other side and you're like, nope, I still feel the way I feel, cool. But we appreciate you going on the journey and have a mind open enough to even listen. Yeah. To have a dialogue about it. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Because that's what we're all about. Yeah. So to wrap this up, we've gone over a lot of different scenarios and, and things to consider when getting a puppy. So kind of a rundown, a quick rundown, ask questions, take time to think about the puppy that's the right fit for you. Bring someone who is not as emotionally invested and can give you logical advice. What else, Heather? Have a plan before you go. So go find the puppy of your dreams if that's what you want. Or in Christy's case, don't. Don't. Yeah. (laughs) All right. If you've stuck with us this long through this podcast and you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe, share, and rate us on the podcast platform of your choosing. Yes. And then also be sure to check us out on Instagram at sometimes their side eye and interact with us. Yes. All right. So we'll be back in two weeks. Until next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.